we got lots of people that are in their third and fourth and fifth career and they've been successful at all of them. I think if they were to convince themselves that they made a bad decision, no one's saying, God, I wish I would have done this 60 years ago. Yeah. I mean, maybe people that are full of regret, but also like look at the path that it took you on. Enjoy that path and just know that there are no bad decisions. You just have to turn all of your decisions into the right decision. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. <laughs> and doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, mindful all of this. the stuff. <laughs> so if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. I hate it when you do that. <laughs> Welcome to the Push Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie. And who are you? Uh, my name is Janelle Copeland. Janelle Copeland. It's always a surprise when I take the, the reins. It is. Yeah. Because, you know, usually we're in sync. And then lately you've just been like, I'm pushing record in five, four, three, two, one. Sometimes and you, you just, just do it. Go, damn it. Yeah, you just gotta got to move. It. Right. And here we are. So here we go. So. So you have a what in the world? I do. Tell me. What is it? My what in the world is really bad movies. And what oh, I mean by that gosh. is, you know, movies are one of those things where you invest time right. that you can never, ever get back. Yep. And when a movie falls short, you feel like something was stolen from you. Yep. Like you feel robbed. So we recently watched a movie yeah. and it was so, as soon as it ended, I said, that was the worst time investment ever. Yeah. I, and usually you I'm say so the same unfulfilled. thing. You go, that was a waste of time. That was a complete waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> and you it, shouldn't watch something that's supposed to be like a fun, especially like a romantic comedy or something. I don't even know what genre yeah. that movie was. But and then it's like there were good actors and it. it had so much potential and it was just all around a bad buzzkill. Yeah. So uh, here's the movie that you should stay away from. It's on Apple. Yeah, it was. Um, it has Rashida Jones. On the Rocks. Yeah. On with, the Rocks. Uh, what's with his Bill name? Mur Bill Murray. Mm -hmm. And so tons of potential. Great uh, director, yep, uh, great Sophia uh, Coppola. I'm just going to tell just, you. It just fell short in so many ways. It, Eddie like, said, he said, I don't think we should watch this. Some people at work said that it was bad. And I was like, how could it be bad? Bill yeah. Murray's in it. He's a great actor. And I they like didn't Rashida say it was Jones. bad. They just kind of said it was like, eh. No, it was bad. It was like. <laughs> well, they didn't tell me it was bad. Right. They just told I'm me telling you <laughs> that you should not invest your time. And I'm disappointed to say that because I, you know, I want to support filmmakers. Yeah. And, movie makers and actors and stuff. But I just got to tell you, it was very unfulfilling to and me. And so my what in the world is like, I'm sure they edited that movie. I'm sure they watched it. And they didn't see that they were missing certain elements. Yeah, like no one said, hey, this might piss people off if we leave out this intricate part <laughs> of the story, right? Like the whole point, I'm going to give it away because yeah. I don't care. I don't want you to watch it. <laughs> so... The whole point was that the Rashida Jones, she thought that her husband, Marlon Waynes, was cheating on her, right? So he was doing all this sketchy stuff where if you're watching it, even Eddie was like, oh, yeah, he's cheating on her, right? Yeah. 
Well, then it turns out he never was. And then somehow they just completely skate past the fact that he was being super sketchy. And they had this awkward relationship. They just like didn't have any intimacy. He wasn't kissing her. Like, goodnight. They were like acting like friends. It was so terrible, but and the then, like, moral it, was then, he wasn't cheating on her. Apparently. Right, and then at the big pivotal moment where you get, you hopefully get some type of clarity of what's going on. He just goes, "Yeah." She goes, "I've been pretty boring." He goes, "Yeah, you have been boring." Right. Okay, and that and that was like, and then they kiss and made up, and it they was were dumb. like, "Okay." And so when you watch a movie and you start rationalizing, you start going, "Oh well, you know, maybe it was a situation where they were just." It was about her going on an, an adventure with her dad, trying to find out whether her husband or not was cheating on him. But at the end of the day, it just was unfulfilling. And uh, I'm just so sorry that we spent that time. It was a waste of time. we could have watched something else. Yep. So that is my what in the world. If you watched a movie, I would love to know what you thought. Maybe I missed something. Maybe we were missing like 30 minutes of the movie. Like maybe there was a, a no, section missing. We and it would have gave us nope. a little bit more clarity. That's but not what happened. It was just a bad movie. Kind of stupid. I have a what in the world. Okay. Okay. The other night we went to Chipotle because all I could think about was chips and guac. I love their chips chips and guac. guac Kick lately. And they, I wanted to just get a snack. I wanted just, hey, let's get some chips and guac and then we'll go to Panera Bread for dinner. And Eddie said, that's stupid. If we're going to go get chips and guac, then you're just going to order something from Chipotle. So like a bully, he forced me to get something from Chipotle. So we go into Chipotle and I order this bowl, the salad bowl. I don't want to eat there. I just wanted the chips and guac. So I order this thing and I get to the front. He's in the process of ordering his. And I feel like I'm very much settling on what I'm about to eat, but I'm here for the chips and guac. And so we order our food and then I get to the front and I say, okay, and a large chips and guac. And they literally said, we're really sorry. We're out of chips and guac. <laughs> what? Wah, wah, wah. I was like, I know this sounds really stupid, but I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't even want to be here. I don't even want this salad bowl that my husband just made me get. I'm literally only here for chips and guac. Isn't that like the equivalent of like McDonald's not having fries? Yeah. Like, or oh, like I'm so sorry. We El Pollo Loco being out of chicken. Meal. Like everybody knows that you go to Chipotle for the chips and guac. How's a Mexican restaurant out of chips? Like that just, that's a travesty. <laughs> so that's my way in the world. However, I'm one of those people that I'm like, I literally, I don't want that bowl anymore. I don't even want to be here. I didn't want to be here for anything other than chips and guac. If I would have known you were out of chips and guac, we would have definitely went to Panera, right? Right. So I like make it a funny thing, but I'm telling them like, I, I really just don't want to be here. I'm, I only came for the chips and guac and I'm really heartbroken right now. So they're kind of laughing, but they feel sorry for me. So shout out to Emmanuel. They called him E-Man at mm-hmm. the Glendora Chipotle. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll make you some chips. At first, they told me it was going to take 15 minutes. He knocked him out in like a solid three minutes. So my dreams came true. Not only were they... Not only did I get chips and guac, but they were fresh. They, they were, were hot, hot. And he yeah. added extra salt and lime. And they were the best chips I've ever had in my life. <laughs> so that was my what in the world turned good. Oh, um, my God. Another thing... That, I guess, is my what in the world. As you guys know, we're going through major home renovations right now. It's dirty. It's dusty. It's it's really inconvenient, but right. I'm not complaining. Right. I am going to complain for a second. My what in the world is how effing dirty shit gets. Mm-hmm. So my shoes are dirty. My Everything's dirty, right? Right. Everywhere Everything I go. Everything on the I... patio is like covered with drywall dust from the inside of the house. My plants are covered in drywall dust. Like, 
it's just dirty. And I told you today, I just want to burn all the stuff. Yeah. I don't want any of the stuff in my new house. It's also so dirty that I can't even comprehend or like fathom the fact that we will ever have a clean house again because <laughs> we just remodeled our two bathrooms and every night I go in there and there's just so much dust yeah. that I can't even. It's almost to the point clean. where you, you go, okay, well, even cleaning it at, by the time yeah. I'm done cleaning it, we're there's basically gonna be a homeless layer, right now. A layer we live like pigs. And the thing is, it's clean. Yeah, it's just I get dusty. fully dressed to go somewhere, and by the time I get in the car, I get out of the car. You're like, covered my, in right, dust. I'm like, oh my god, my pants have dust. I like, yep. what did I, what did I lean up against? Yep, it's it's pretty tragic. If you just look sideways anywhere in the vicinity of the Copeland house, you're dirty. Yeah. So that's my what in the world. Yeah. So if you want to come and get dirty, come to the Copeland. Oh my house. gosh. <laughs> okay. So here is uh, this week's episode. It's ten things most people learn when. Uh, it's just too late in life. Yeah. Well, 10 things you learn too late in life. Yeah. Right. So this this episode is really about let's taking some inventory of some things that, hey, time is ticking. Mm -hmm. And at the end of your days and when you're done with this world, the one thing you don't want is to be filled with a ton of regret and not paying attention to the things that are important in life. Mm -hmm. And so uh, this is a great little list that we kind of talked about and chatted up. And I think we felt that it was important to talk about and let everyone know. Yeah, because these are all the things that we may have learned too late in life. Yeah, so let's dive in. All right, so the first thing is, I think this is a very, very general statement, but I think it is so important. If you don't use it, you lose it. You got to use it or lose it. You got to use it. Or <laughs> That's lose what it, it says. You got to use it or, you got, or you're going to lose it. Yeah. So what does that mean? We're talking about the obvious, like your body, your movements, things like that, your right. health, right? But we're really talking about things like your creativity. Mm -hmm. So often when you get older, you start a career in the workforce, you just kind of get in this monotonous like day-to-day -day routine and you stifle your creativity and then it goes away. Yeah, 100%. And I think about it when I hear that, I think about critical thinking, mm -hmm. right? I think about the ability to discern, the ability to get beside your your emotions and really think about something in a real deep, critical manner mm -hmm. to help you really make good decisions in life. I think we look at, look at the, you know, we're recording this a day before the election and Americans struggle with critical thinking. Like mm -hmm. we just go with headlines and, and news reports and we don't actually discern. We just kind of go with the side that we decide that we think is, that represents us. Right. right. I think when it comes to using it or losing it, this also comes down to like your personality and behaving in a fun, childlike manner. I think society puts all these restrictions on you and these expectations like you can't be 30 and have fun, you know. I know so many millennials right now that are struggling because they're turning 30 or 32. And like the world has told you up to this point that you're supposed to be married with a kid and a picket fence and living happily ever after. Yeah. And it's simply not true. Like yeah. you need to be having fun and be childlike. And I think if you did probably have more fun in your life, you'd probably attract a partner. Right. <laughs> but right. I think if you don't use your creativity, if you don't use your imagination, if you don't use good humor, if you don't use fun to keep you young and active, you're going to lose it. Yeah. And I think that your ability to like take risk and to, to live full out comes down to using all kinds of different things in your life, or you just lose it. You lose passion because right. you don't use passion. You lose the feeling of 
achievement because you don't Mm -hmm. go after achievement. That's something I think that we, a lot of the people that we work with that we coach and mentor, they just stopped chasing stuff, right? right. And we're going to talk about that in a little while, but you lose the excitement around achievement. Like when you're Mm -hmm. a kid, you want to make your parents proud and you want to earn a trophy on softball or soccer or whatever. But when you stop using all of that creativity or sportsmanship or whatever it is, you lose it. And then you lose sight of the feelings that those things can give you. And I think you're robbing yourself of joy. And I'll just add to that. I love how you said you lose the feeling of the chase, Uh like going after things. Achievement. And I think what happens is, is when you don't practice and you don't use your energy to go after things, I think you lose endurance. Mm -hmm. And I think what you find when you lose endurance is that you lose the ability to stay with things, the ability to have perseverance and Mm -hmm. resilience because you don't have the endurance it takes to overcome challenges, to overcome the things that may come in your way when you're going after things. And so what ends up happening is you get an idea and you go after it just a little bit, and then before you know it, you quit or you stop because you're hit with the first bump in the road and Mm -hmm. you don't have the endurance that you once had when you were constantly going after things. Yeah, so I think use it or lose it can tie into what you're talking about, about when you're a kid, you get kind of like slapped around a little bit. Your parents tell you, suck it up, like, you know, <laughs> toughen up. And somebody needs to slap your ass around when you're an adult sometimes because you're just crying about stupid shit. Yeah. But that leads me to number two. And here is number two of the 10 things that most people learn way too late in life. Life isn't fair, mm. period. Yeah. It's just it- not. Like, I feel like parents these days are doing such a disservice to their children by trying to make sure everyone has a trophy, trying to make sure that they shield you from heartbreak. Your parents are trying to make sure that they're like lawnmower parents, lawnmowering through all of the problems in life that you're supposed to be faced with. And I think that it's your job as a parent to teach your kids that life isn't supposed to be fair. Yeah. And I think fair is one of those really kind of can be a dangerous word mm-hmm. because fair means that everybody gets the same thing. And it's not true. Right. But what fair to me really is, is that everyone gets what they need. Right. Right. And so if you need a struggle, then it's fair that you get a struggle. Mm-hmm. Right. If you need <laughs> you need a kind of a break, then it's fair that you get that break. And I think that those things fair shows up when you need it most mm-hmm. if you're paying attention. And so I don't think that everyone, I think that we kind of broad brush and we say, well, that isn't fair, mm-hmm. right? The stacks that the, everything is against these particular individuals mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. And fair is not always, you know, looked at equally. But I think that there's a difference between fair and equality. Oh, for sure. Right? And you're taking it way too far. Like when I said life isn't fair, I mean, like, it's not fair that I don't get to pick my parents. Right. Like, I have some jacked up parents. Like, my parents are crazy. If my dad right. is listening right now, you're crazy. I am blessed to have you, but boy, you're crazy, right? right? So it's not fair in the sense that, like, forever I've had friends that had have had these amazing relationships with their moms and they're all lovey-dovey mm-hmm. and they can't live without their mom. I haven't had that experience with my mom, right? right. And... Your childhood, it's not fair. It's not supposed to be fair. Like I've been equipped with all of the lessons that I need to be who Janelle needs to be in 2020 today at 42 years old, right? Right. 
And so life isn't fair is about you don't get to pick your crazy ass family members. Right. It's just not fair. <laughs> there are certain things that are outside of your control. Right. It's not fair yeah. that other sisters have better relationships than you and your sisters or our contractor, I shouldn't have said that, but somebody that's working with us is telling us that, hey, there's like 13 siblings. And I said, dang, your parents had 13 kids. How many of them are jacked up? And he said, four. That four of fair. them are terrible. <laughs> that's not fair. Those parents right. probably loved those kids, right? And right. here they are getting older. They're suffering from dementia. And guess what? These kids are like stealing from the parents, right? right. So you got some good kids that are trying to protect them from their own bad kids. That shit's not fair. Right. But life isn't fair. So I hate when people say that. I just want you to know like sooner than later that life isn't supposed to be fair. Like God didn't promise you fairness. Yeah, and I think that sometimes people get into the, they wallow in the fact that things aren't fair. They wallow in the fact that they didn't get the best upbringing and they think about the fact that they become a victim in that. And I think that what we're trying to say is that you can't be victimized, right? And you have to look at it for what it is and you have to understand that, hey, these things weren't supposed to be fair, right? Not everyone's going to get solid parents. Not right. everyone's going to get you know, the uh, rich, you know, the money uh, that uncle, you need right? to yeah. so this, set yourself things, up to win things, financially. Right. And so the you can't get in, you can't step into a place of victimhood because of the fact that you feel like, oh, you know, well, you know, it wasn't fair. Right. Right. So that's not right. And I'm just going to sit in this shithole yep. of, of life and complain about the fact that I didn't have the opportunity. Yep. I'll tell you what wasn't fair. In 2009, when we lost, both lost our jobs and we had three children that were four, six and eight and a mortgage and two car payments and all of these responsibilities, that shit wasn't fair. But it wound up being one of the biggest blessings of our lives because we realized that we were more resourceful than we thought. Right. We realized that we were not living up to our potential in that job anyways. We realized that we will always find a way, right? right? So I just want to encourage you, life's not fair. Stop bitching about it. <laughs> okay, number three. I love this one. You got to learn how to play the game of life. The and game of life? Oh, that's the facts of life. Never mind. Yeah, so you remixed it. <laughs> learn how to play the game of life. So what do we mean by that? There's a game mm -hmm. called life mm -hmm. that you're playing every day, whether you want to or not. That could be learn how to play politics in your workplace because you want to get promoted. Right. Right. And I think what, it's, what I was going to say is also like understanding that when you look at life as a game, I think you don't take it as serious. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I just want to preface that because mm -hmm. I think that's a wonderful perspective because we talk about this with our students that looking at life like a game and, and different levels. And I won't get into that, but I mm -hmm. want to understand that this is that you have to know the game you're playing. Right. Right. You got to show up with the right equipment. You got to show up with the right mm -hmm. uh, understanding of the rules. You got to understand, like you how said you earlier. How earn points? Yeah. And you said, what did you say about how, cheating? How do you cheat? <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there. So if my life is like a game of Super Mario Brothers, which I would equate my life to that, right? I had to start off at level one. It's unfavorable. You got people or bad guys chasing you, right? right. You got to learn how to up level your superpowers. You got to learn that, oh shit, that set me back. I'm little now. Right. You got to learn that if you go off this cliff, you're going to die. Right. You have to learn all of these different levels and skills and tools. And then guess what? At the end of every level, there's like a flagpole. You slide down on Super Mario Brothers. You get to celebrate. And then guess what? You advance to the next level, meaning you get promoted. And then there's more bad guys. Right. 
So when I say learn the game of life, it's very simple. It's like playing a game of Mario Brothers. Right. And you know what's interesting is this, is that I think we live in a society where people want the cheat codes to life. Right. They want the instant, hey, guaranteed, Mm -hmm. if I die, there's extra men. Uh, I won't have to suffer any failures or anything like that. And so they look at game of life and they say, okay, where are the cheat codes? But I will tell you this. Every time I use a cheat code in one of those games and I advance to a level that was harder than I was prepared for, I die really quickly. Right. It was like it was the most frustrating thing. And I end up going back and saying, "Okay, I need to go up to these levels because I need to be prepared Mm -hmm. for King Koopa at the end of the game (laughs) so I don't die because you're just not equipped. And so I think when you think about the game of life, this is such a wonderful analogy because like life is one of those things where if you know the game, you know the rules, then you can maneuver mm-hmm. and you can find ways to be prepared, to be in the best position as possible. I believe positioning is power. Yep. And when you're in the best position possible, then you're able to leverage that position so that you can get what you want out of life. And that's what it's about. Yep. That's what the game of life is about, is getting what you want. So some of you are complaining about your life and maybe you're in an unfavorable situation or circumstance right now. I just want to let you know, it's a tough level. It's right. a tough level in my game of Super Mario Brothers. And I'll tell right? you this, when I was in elementary school, or in elementary school, when junior high school, mm-hmm. and we were playing war ball, uh-huh. that's when you're, you got those little, you got those balls and it's like a dodgeball, right? right? And whoever the kid who didn't want to play, mm-hmm. but you were forced to play because everybody had to participate, mm-hmm. they got hit in the head. Oh, right. And they got because the reality is the game is going to play whether you want to be involved of it or not. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for those individuals that are like, you know, trying to bow out of the game, trying not to live out life the way you're supposed to, trying to find the easy road. And we're going to talk about that as well. Just know you're going to get hit in the head by life. Right. Because this game, you all have to play. Right. So I think the first step in this is you got to decide, you got to figure out what game you're playing. (laughs) Yes. Because if you're struggling financially, you might be in a game of Monopoly right now. Mm. And it's really important for you to know what game you're playing so you can ask better questions, right? So you need to know, like, who do I need to know in this game that might know the game better than me? How do I earn points in this game? Yeah. Is there a potential to die in this game? And if you got a quicker banker who's still in the money, you need to know how to identify that. (laughs) How do I keep score? Right. And again, how do you cheat? Is there a possibility to cheat? Because sometimes those cheat books, they'll help you, right? But you have to use them to your advantage. I would say cheat with integrity. (laughs) Uh, It's funny because I'm reading this book by Matthew McConaughey right now. And he said that his dad and his mom basically taught him to lie and cheat. But the thing was is, he wouldn't get in trouble if he got away with it. But not lie, right? I he thought would it was only just get in trouble if he got caught. Oh, okay. Right? So you had to like, if you got caught, that means not only did you break a rule, but you also did it sloppily. So mm-hmm. you get in trouble. So I'm not saying that that's how you should live your life, but I'm just saying like, it's important to identify what game you're playing, what people have mastered it. And is there a possibility that people can cheat? Maybe you don't want to cheat, but if you know that there's a possibility that people cheat, you can protect yourself. Oh, absolutely. And I and I think that that's important to know how people can cheat. Like I was saying about having a crooked banker. Mm-hmm. Like when I was a kid, I used to be the banker and I used to just kind of siphon okay. siphon off little dollars yep, here and there cheater. just to <laughs> mm-hmm. just to keep the just to keep the game going, to keep it interesting. But I will tell you this, I think it's important when you're playing the game of life to know where the edges are, Mm -hmm. right? To know where you need to bend the rules in order to make them work for what you're trying to do. Because sometimes the rules become the enemy of the good. Right, you gotta find a workaround, my friend. You gotta find a workaround. You gotta say, okay, 
I know the rules say this, but what it doesn't say is this. Right. And then I think you have to slide into those little margins where yeah. things are not necessarily outlined. Because when you do that, you find those are, are the edges. Those are the things that like, oh, that was a competitive edge I needed mm-hmm. to get. And so we're not telling you to go cheat and, and, and lie still and, 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 and duck and hide. But what we're saying is, is like, know how people can cheat. Right. Know that it's capable of cheating. Don't be naive and understand that you need to have that awareness, but also know that you got to know where, where you can bend rules, where yeah. you can say, okay, I'm going to step outside the line mm-hmm. here because that's where my imagination is taking me. That's where my creativity is taking yeah. me. And that's where I know I'm going to succeed and I'm going to find some really great success. Last thing I'll say about this one, because I think it's important to understand if I'm playing my game of life and it's Mario Brothers, I cannot be upset or salty that you chose to play Monopoly. Mm. And also, if I'm playing my game of Mario Brothers and I have chosen to not cheat or maybe I can't afford the cheat code books, right? I have to keep my eyes on my game. So I may be only able to master levels one through seven right now and you may have conquered the game. But that doesn't mean that it's not available for me to conquer too. So I would say play your own damn game, right? Master it, identify the cheaters, figure out if maybe you need to cheat, (laughs) but you got to stay in your lane. Yeah, for sure. Okay, number four, don't look to have your dreams validated. Oh my God. So what do I mean by that? We work with entrepreneurs. We work with people that have big dreams. We work with people that think that when God or the universe places an idea in your heart or in your mind, that the first thing you should do is ask the people you love. So if you go to, this happens a lot because we work with women, you go to your husband and you tell him that you're excited because you're a great baker and you want to start a business. He's only ever seen you maybe be a mother or be shy or he sees a side of you. He may not understand the dream and how vivid it was and what was placed on you and your why and how excited you are, right? This happens a lot also with entrepreneurs that have made it really, really big. You listen to their stories and they often say that the people they loved the most told them not to do it, Yeah, right? So your parents, here's an example. Your parents have different experiences. Our parents are in their 60s now, They were taught to be in a union. They Mm -hmm. were taught to have a job for 40, 50 years and then retire. They were taught that safety should be valued, right? Right. So when we grew up and we wanted to be in sales or, you know, earn a way on our own and be more independent, that scared the shit out of them. Yeah. So you cannot spend your life looking to have your dreams validated by someone who does not have your experiences, who has not been given the gift of the idea or whatever it is that you're talented at. You have to stop seeking validation and just find the strength in yourself and the determination in yourself to chase that, regardless of what other people say. And I love that because what you're touching on is like, your parents, your family, they may have a different belief system altogether. And they also may necessar- not necessarily use their creativity. And so your dreams may be far too big for them to ever see. Yeah, they skipped um, one, two, three, yeah. one, two, and three. And so here you're asking them for four. They didn't get the other, you know. Right. And you're seeing the world differently. Right. And I think that that's important. I think when, and this is not just based on age. I think that people who involve themselves in keeping their minds fresh and they immerse themselves in ideas and different things that are out there, 
then they they can continue to develop this concept of the world that anything is possible. Right. But I remember you telling me, and we, we talked to your well, your dad about being in a grocery business mm-hmm. and like tenure was a big deal. Right. Right. And like, how long can you stay there? Yeah. How long can What's you your stay seniority? there? Dad has and your seniority has value. Right. And to us, it's like. Not really. Yeah. Like I was, t- I was I telling her. I do not want to work in a I place that her. values seniority over the fact that I'm oh, going to run yeah. circles around someone as the new girl. Right. And I was telling her one of the guys working on the house, which Janelle and Jordan were laughing at me. And he was asking about what I did. And he said, oh, you've been doing it for a long time. And I just told him, I said, here's the thing. Even though you've been doing something for a long time and you have, quote unquote, experience, it doesn't necessarily mean you're good at what you do. Right? You guys, he was telling this poor <laughs> man, and English is his second language, and he barely speaks English. And Jordan and I were overhearing this conversation. That was my what in the world. Damn it. it we were overhearing this conversation, and Eddie's talking to this poor man, and he's just like nodding his head. And Jordan goes, I don't even know what the hell he's talking about, and I speak English. That well, poor guy wants to tap out to, he so was bad. new to construction, and I was giving him uh, some inspiration, and I was like, you know, it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it, as you know, as long as you Jeez. can like actively learn and get really good, experience doesn't necessarily mean everything, yeah, right? Because not like, all experience is good experience. Yeah. So none of those words does he understand. Right. Just by the way. <laughs> Period. End of story. He barely speaks English and you were talking to him about some life lesson yeah. that the poor man has no clue. It doesn't matter. At one point he's gonna all that's gonna <laughs> oh, come God. together. He's gonna learn a couple more words and all be good. But back to this, like validating your dreams. mm -hmm. And I think it's important to, I always think about this because I I see this in a lot of people. When you have big dreams and when you have big aspirations, and I think T.D. Jake said it best. He said, don't tell your big dreams to small-minded people. Right. And I think that that is something you have to make sure you're not doing because the people you respect, the people that you you value their decisions may be small-minded about big dreams. And they're going to project that small mindedness onto you to a certain extent where they can squash your aspirations Mm -hmm. and they can get you second thinking yourself and putting yourself in a situation where you have these insecurities and you no longer go after the things that you really want. Yeah. So So guard your dreams. said that. Yeah. And that's great. Mine is simple. Stop asking unqualified people to give you guidance. Yeah. Period. If you haven't been where I'm trying to go, then I can't really ask you for your opinion about whether I should start this business. When I started my business, everyone that I love told me it wasn't a good time to start my business. None of them owned businesses. Yep. So I love them, but they were unqualified. Remember back to uh, number two, life isn't fair. I didn't get to pick my family. So (laughs) there you have it. Okay. Number five, friends are relative to where you are in your life. Mm. That's, That's a big one. Oh, yeah, it is. And, and I think have that, you gone through cycles of friends? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Have you outgrown friends? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, should you outgrow friends? I think you should. I do. Too. I, th- I, I think that it doesn't necessarily mean that you don't talk to them. I don't mm-hmm. think I think you have they hold a certain place in your heart and in, in your life. Mm-hmm. But I think when you are going after big things, when you're trying to take over the world, so to speak, I think that you surround yourself with like-minded people that are trying to do something similar that are going to challenge you in the right way. And not every single time, because sometimes life is not fair, Mm -hmm. that you're going to have a circle of friends that reflect what you're trying to accomplish. Right. We've paid money for friends to be at the levels that we needed them to be at. I mean, I'm saying that kind of jokingly, but we've paid a lot of money to be in masterminds 
to be around qualified people that may be further advanced in wealth or business or whatever it may be, because we can't be the smartest people in that category if we're trying to grow amongst our friends, Mm -hmm. right? So I definitely think that you should be okay outgrowing friends. I think that if you had a friend in kindergarten, by the time you got to elementary school, it's very likely you guys were different. You listened to different music. If you made it through elementary school, by the time you got to junior high school, one of you turned into a hoe. If it's a girl, (laughs) I told all of my kids, all three of my daughters, all of these friends you have in elementary school, they're going to be totally different people by the time you get to junior high school. You're going to see who's a hoe. You're going to see who starts doing drugs. She's telling them this while they're in elementary school. While they're in elementary school. These are life lessons. Hoe? What? Yeah. I was like, you're going to see that certain people, they're going to start messing around with drugs. They're going to start messing around with boys. They're going to start lying. They're going to start lying to their parents, cheating, doing whatever. And it's going to come down to who's going to make it through junior high school with you. Yeah. And I and I, belie- I was right. I believe that the, the idea of you are a reflection of the, of the five people you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. I, I, I believe that to be true. Because it's, it's just it's just fact, mm-hmm. right? It's very rare that you see five people and one person is super super successful and everyone else is down in the dumps. Like yeah. it just doesn't it doesn't calculate. If that's the case, the super successful guy or girl, they have other friends too. Yeah, you're not the only friend, right? A hundred percent. And if for whatever reason you make it through junior high school, high school's a whole nother ball game. Yeah. Someone's gonna wind up pregnant. Or doing something terrible, right? And I think this is important because somebody's listening to this right now and they have alienated themselves from certain people because they don't like their personalities Mm -hmm. because these individuals, maybe they make them feel stupid or maybe they are condescending because of the fact that they're speaking to things that they're not familiar with. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people will put themselves in a situation where they go, this person, every time I talk to them, they make me feel stupid. Mm-hmm. And it's simply because that person is very educated, right? right. And they, they're they having a tough time matching the intellect of that individual. And so it is very intimidating. And so they stay away. Instead of putting in a situation where you say, well, let me surround myself with this person or these individuals and let me just listen mm-hmm. and let me just see how can I challenge myself in a different way so that I move up in a circle of friends and I start to match them. And so I think this is a kind of a, an inverse way of looking at it, of saying, I want to be in a different circle of friends. And I know that this is intimidating, but I'm going to surround myself with them anyway. And I'm just going to listen. Yeah. And I'm just going to raise my game so that I match where they're at. Well, that would be a what in the world for me when people say like, oh, I don't like hanging around him because he makes me feel stupid. Mm, Nobody has the ability to make you feel stupid. Right. You're making yourself feel stupid. You're feeling inferior. So that's a whole nother topic. Don't say stuff like that. Uh, Just recognize that maybe they're a little smarter. You feel intimidated and that's okay. Lean into that. Okay. Number six, your potential increases with age. Yeah. Like people think that when you get older, you lose it right? You lose your spunk. You lose your creativity. Again, go back to number one. You don't use it. You lose it. It could be true. But I know so many older people who have way more knowledge, experience, wisdom than I do. And I love spending time with old people. And I just like, I don't know. I feel like I can't wait to get old because do you know how wise I'm going to be? Absolutely. I am so excited for that. (laughs) I think 
this number six and number one have to be used together mm -hmm. because I think if you're using it, using it and using it over time, so mm -hmm. you've been critically thinking, you've been studying, you've been elevating yourself, you've been positioning yourself in the game of life and you've been doing all these things, let's just say for 20, 30 years and you've been doing it at a high level. Mm -hmm. As you get older, your mind expands even further. You're more capable and then I think what happens is you shake off the unimportant things, right? Yep. You shake off what people think about you. I got to tell you, at 40 versus Eddie at 20, I can give a hell about what a person thinks mm -hmm. about me. Like, I just, I don't. I don't care. Well, I, my dad at 64, he doesn't give two shits. Yeah, I think you get thinks. older and you just say, I don't care. Yeah, yeah it's have, almost to his detriment, though, because <laughs> he lets stuff fly out of his mouth. I'm like, Dad, you cannot say that, yeah. right? But the point of this is like, don't think that as you get older, you know, you think you can you, you have to do less now. I think that the reality is, is that you're more knowledgeable, you're more seasoned, you have more experience, you probably have better discipline, better habits, you know how to let things go. You've realized at this point, you know, damn, I've spent a lot of time in my life making yeah. a big deal out of things that were not necessarily a big deal. Right. And I, I think about getting older quite often. And I think about the fact that I've, I'm going to be more disciplined about my health and fitness as I get older, because I know that that's going to be the my where my abilities are going to be. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. A hundred percent. That's right. OK. Number seven. There are no wrong decisions. I love that. We hear people all the time like, well, I just don't know what the right decision is. Mm, whatever you pick, you can make it the right decision. Yeah, I think you have to pick a path mm -hmm. and then you just have to say, this path is the path I'm, I've chose and I'm going to get the most out of it and I'm going to learn a lot on the journey. And I think that what you find is that when you make decisions and then you work to make those decisions great, I think what ends up happening is that you get a journey of your lifetime mm -hmm. and you get to gain so much more. Well, we just started another session of Passion and Profit, our eight-week master class with all of our entrepreneur students. And uh, someone did an intro video and she said, I was a teacher for 24 years and then I became a paralegal, went to school to become a paralegal. And then now I'm taking a business class so I can learn how to become a bakery owner. I right. want to open a brick and mortar bakery. And we were like, damn, life is long. <laughs> like you yeah. could literally have three, four, five careers and so this brings me back to like the age that our children are at. You know, I know that when Jasmine was getting ready to graduate, she was worried. Do I major in psychology or political science? I'm like, honey, there's no wrong choice. Right. Just pick one that sounds good and then change it in a couple of years after you decide you do or don't like it, but make the best of it now. Yeah. Right. Kayla is getting ready to graduate. She wants to become a Broadway star. Right. Right. But she also might want to be an attorney or a doctor or other things. And we, we're we telling her, look, do what you can while you're young. The reality is, is you can always be an attorney. You can't always be a Broadway star, right? right? So if that's something you're passionate about now, pursue that. You yeah. can always go back to school and you can always change and pivot. So this is kind of our gift to you if you're feeling stuck and stagnant because You've been in a career for 20 years. Uh, we got lots of people that are in their third and fourth and fifth career, and they've been successful at all of them. I think if they were to convince themselves that they made a bad decision, no one's saying, God, I wish I would have done this 60 years ago. Yeah. I mean, maybe people that are full of regret, but also like, look at the path that it took you on. Enjoy that path and just know that there are no bad decisions. You just have to turn 
all of your decisions into the right decision. And I think that's important because when people make decisions now, I think what ends up happening is that they make the decision and then the first thing that like slaps them on the face on the path of whatever that decision is, they all of a sudden say, oh my God, I can't believe I did this. Mm-hmm. And then they start backtracking and they never actually follow through on that decision. Right. And so they don't really know where that They're decision would have taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the lack of commitment created a lack of success. Right. Okay, so number eight and number 10 are probably my favorites. Number eight, this is something you need to turn your earphones up, AirPods, whatever the heck you call them, your radio. Life is not supposed to be comfortable. I just want you to think about this. Most people are just spending every waking moment seeking comfort. You know, they want to avoid traffic. They want to avoid confrontation at work. They don't want to deal with angry customers. They want the ability to wake up whenever they want. They want everything to be calorie free. You know, they I want shouldn't have to food be without the calories. Right. Comfort food without the calories. They want to binge and Netflix and chill all day long. So think about this. You're spending your time seeking comfort. But friends, comfort kills. Like anything that, anything around discipline or restriction, those things are synonymous with people who are successful, right? Yeah. So you don't become a millionaire by just spending your money freely, waking up whenever you feel like, doing whatever the wind blows you to do today. That's not exercising discipline. So I want to propose that you need to start looking at discipline and restriction different without attaching a negative connotation. I want you to look at how those two words can equal or equate to success but you keep chasing comfort and comfort kills. Comfort's not going to get you closer to success. The quest for comfort is a dastardly one. It is one that is going to put you in a situation where I think that your mental health is at risk. Mm -hmm. And I think that often what we are seeing is in in an age where mental health and mental health uh, disorders are such an arise and they're spiking all, all over the place is because we're thinking life is supposed to be comfortable and easy and and these things that we we're seeing that are hard that are just, that cause stress and frustration uh, we make them mean so much more mm-hmm. than just what they really are right and it's just life and I think that when you put in your mind that hey I am not seeking comfort I am seeking the opportunity to grow and to learn and to find joy along the way I think that's far more healthier and I think that that's far more reasonable in life. But I think this one goes to me, this one goes back to the fair thing Mm -hmm. where it's not fair that this is so hard, Mm -hmm. right? It's not fair that I have to work this much harder to find success. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you get to a place where you accept the fact that this is supposed to be hard, this is supposed to be the hardest thing you do, whatever it is, and you accept it and you push forward, I think that's when you find joy. And I think that's when you have those moments where you say, wow, this feels amazing far better than any type of pleasure-seeking activity Mm -hmm. can give you. Well, I mean, I just want to reiterate, discipline and restriction are synonymous with success, right? So think about the people that you see that have the best bodies. Aesthetically, they're in the best health. They didn't get that way on accident, eating hot wings and shit. (sighs) They got that way being disciplined and restrictive with their diet. Yeah. 
They got that way being disciplined and regimented around their workouts, right? Mm -hmm. When you see people like Warren Buffett who are insanely successful, he didn't get that way by just spending money however the hell he wanted. He literally knows to the penny how much his breakfast costs every morning, right? <laughs> and so I want you to just try the try that on for size, like discipline, restriction. Those things are designed to help bring something out in you that can get you closer to something that is worthwhile of achieving. Yeah, and I want to drop this on you, and this may feel kind of deep, but I want to make sure you guys get this. Like true freedom is discipline. Mm -hmm. Freedom is that you have the ability to decide what you're going to do and how you're going to do and how you will pursue it instead of it being something that you are pleasure seeking and you're in a trance or you're addicted to something and you lose your freedom. The things that rob you of your freedom are the things that are filled that you find pleasure in, mm -hmm. right? You watch 20 hours of TV, you have lost your freedom. You are mm -hmm. now a slave to the television, right? If I spend four hours a day, six hours a day, eight hours a day on social media, I am in a trance. I have lost my freedom, right? Right. Freedom is in discipline. And I think that's so important for people to really capture is you are the most free when you have cleared your mind and you are deciding what is best for you to do, not what just feels good. Okay, so that leads me into number nine. Great segue, Edward. Uh, you'll spend most of your time in life wasting time. Yes. You're going to spend the bulk of your lifetime on stupid shit wasting time. <laughs> yes. You just are. You're going to spend the bulk of your lifetime worrying about shit that's never going to happen. You're going to spend the bulk of your time stewing over this toxic relationship with this boyfriend or spouse you should have left a long time ago. You're going to spend most of your time watching television that do it does nothing to serve you or give back to you. Right. You're going to spend the bulk of your time scrolling through social media, but then wondering why, you know, oh, I don't have time to go work out and take care of my body. Now my hips are hurting. Now my knees are hurting. Well, girl, you waste all your damn time. Right. Right. And I think I to me, the biggest time wasters are worry, doubt. Mm -hmm. Right. Those are things that are like waste your time when you sit there and worry Essentially, it's like self-harassment, right? You're harassing mm -hmm. yourself when you worry. Right. And it is a big waste of time because I've never seen someone say, I've worried so much. Oh, my God. And I got so successful from right. it. I was like, I was like a, such a worry work. But you know what? I, it, it got me to the point where I found success. Right. I, that doesn't happen. Never. I, if I sit there and I doubt myself, again, I am self-harassing myself. I am telling myself what I cannot do. And I have not seen that to be a formula to get you anything in life. Like yeah. I doubt it so much that I found a way. Right. Like, you know, I was able to clown to my mountaintop because I doubted my way all the way up there. Uh, no, I think that that is a huge waste of time. Right. So, yeah. So I think it's worth reiterating again. You're going to spend the bulk of your life wasting time. Yeah. But yet you're going to sit here and say, oh, I don't have any time to take a vacation. <laughs> I don't have any time to just sit and relax. Well, where the hell are you spending your time? Yeah. You're spending your time on stupid shit that's not getting you anywhere, right? And we've been guilty of this a million times, and we will for the rest of our lives. But where you spend your time 
is costing you in another area. If we choose to spend our time, you know, binge watching Netflix, we know that it's going to cost us time and some, (laughs) yeah, it'll cost us sleep, right? Right. I'll be tired and sluggish tomorrow. If I'm trying to really accomplish something in this season of my life, I probably need to get some sleep. I need to exercise. I need to eat healthy because I need my brain to be sharp, right? Absolutely. There is a time for rest, but Mm -hmm. I think it's worthwhile to ask yourself, God, where do I spend the bulk of my day? Am mm. I spending the bulk of my day complaining, worrying, being stressed? Being uh, distracted. Some of you don't realize your ass goes to work for eight hours a day. You got 16 other hours in a 24-hour period that you're screwing off. Mm-hmm. Some of you are wasting more time in your spare time than you are at your nine to five. Yeah, I used to tell people all the time, if you wanted to get in shape, all it requires is 4% of your time. Four percent of your time is you can thirty get, minutes a day. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing amount of time used to get in really great shape, mm-hmm. but it's a small amount of time. Right. Right. And but you're going to do a lot of things tomorrow that are going to take a lot longer oh, than thirty absolutely. minutes. Yeah. So you may as well stop saying that you don't have time and just start working out. <laughs> period. Okay. And then last one, number ten. This is important. As we talk to our new students. It's so mind-boggling to me to see that people are so hard on themselves, especially when you're starting a new business, you've entered a new marriage, you're a new parent, whatever, you start a new job, you start working out for the first time, you start a new diet. And here's what it is, number nine, or sorry, number 10, anything worthwhile takes practice. We are so afraid of practicing. Yeah. We want the cheats to life again, Mm -hmm. right? But what are you in practice of right now? Are you in practice of trying to be a better parent? You could say that you are, but really if you're not spending time with other people who are great parents, you're not spending time reading books to increase or improve your parenting, then you say that you want to be a better parent, but are you really focused on it? Yeah, and I think this is practice to me is synonymous with professionalism. Mm-hmm. Right? When you think that when you think about the fact that Look at every profession, whether it be a lawyer, you're practicing law, mm-hmm. a doctor, you're practicing medicine, mm-hmm. right? And if you're an athlete, and, you, you practice every you damn practice day. You practice every damn day. Mm-hmm. So the true professionals understand that practice is part of being a professional quality. Mm-hmm. And if you're not practicing, then you're not really working to improve. I recently had someone just get promoted at work, and my last words for him was like, be in study, mm-hmm. be in study for leadership, mm-hmm. right? Don't get to a place where you just operate off of the routine when it comes to leading people. You must study leadership. You must understand how to get people to move in a way that is united, but also in a way that's empowering. And oftentimes when you get a profession, people stop studying, they stop practicing and they get dull. Well, I think if you're seeking comfortability, like we talked about right. a little while ago, then you're not in practice of anything. Yeah, You feel you, like you're growing, right? Because you go to work, you do what you're supposed to, you come home, you're a parent, whatever. But what are you in practice of? Like your kids, they have to freaking practice, whether it be sports, they have to practice with homework, they have to practice reading, they have to practice a lot of things. And for whatever reason, adults, like when we get older, we just don't want to be in practice. Yeah. So ask yourself, what am I in practice of right now? Am I in practice of being a better business owner? Am I in practice of improving my marketing ability? Am I in practice of being a better salesperson, being a better spouse? Am I in practice? 
you will know if you're practicing because it will be intentional. That's what I was, you just stole the words out of my mouth. Absolutely. Showing up just, you know, hey, tomorrow, hey, guess what? God woke me up. I'm going to practice being a better spouse today. But that's not really, that's like passive practice. Yeah, because I'm talking about intentional practice. In practice, you have drills, you have study assignments, Mm -hmm. right? Homework. You have homework. Doctors read medical journals, mm-hmm. right? A medical journal gets released and they they study it. Yep. And then they go and they practice the procedures. Like all those things, I think, are really good clues to success in life. And I think that most people don't pay attention. And we're just telling you in the push podcast that you gotta you gotta take those things and you gotta put them into practice. Yep. So again, this was 10 things that we think most people learn way too late in life. If you're listening to this and you're in your 20s, guess what? This is a gift to you. Right. If you're listening to this and you're in your 60s, I oh, I have to tell you this. My mother-in-law, Kathy, she called me the other day and she had so much excitement in her voice. She called and she said, oh my God, I have some really good news that I have to share with you. And I was like, okay, well, what happened? And she said, I want to tell you, I listened to the Push podcast. I did everything that you said, and I got my dream job, and I got a raise. And I am making so much more money than I was before this, and I did it because of the podcast. First of all, mom, shout out to you, because I didn't even know you were listening to the Push podcast. She's 64 years old. She listens to the episodes, but she sounded like an infomercial, you guys. And this is my mom, my mother-in-law. She said, I listened to the Push podcast. I did everything you said to do. I started making a list of all of my experience. It was the one about valuing your worth, right? Yeah, negotiating. Negotiating. uh, Episode number 56, knowing your worth and how to negotiate your value. She literally took notes on what we said her children And then she marched herself back into work the next day with her notes and said, I'm going to apply for this position and here's how much money I'm asking for. She said, I went way out and asked for something ridiculous because I thought of all of the years and decades Mm. of experience that I had. She goes, and they gave it to me. (laughs) Oh my God, you guys, it brought me so much joy. So So thank you, mom, for listening to the Bush Podcast. We're really proud of you and we want to be proud of you guys too. So hopefully these 10 things in life don't hit you too late because we wish that someone would have taught us these a long time ago. Instead, life taught us these, and I'm happy for the experiences, but I'm more happy that we get to share these experiences with you guys. Thanks so much for listening. I hope that this episode served you. If it did, can you take 30 seconds and just leave us a rating, a review here on iTunes? It would mean the world to us. We just want to know that you're actually listening, like my mother-in-law. You're listening to what we're saying. It's making sense with you. It's resonating with you. It's helping you. Yeah, let us know. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Push through. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review. You leave your handle and until next time push through